Thank you, Lord. How many of you were here uh, New Year's Day? A few, a few, a few. All right. Anybody catch it on the podcast if you weren't here? Well, yeah. Some, <laughs> like the people that were here listened to get on the podcast. That's a good thing. I know exactly what you're going through because most of the time when the Lord speaks to me through somebody else or whatever, um, I need to hear it again a few times. So I get that. Um, to catch the rest of you up, And so that we can start from the same place. Because here's what I believe. I believe if we hear something from the Lord that we believe is from God, the best thing we can do is treasure it and value it. One of the ways we treasure it and value it is just not just letting it go and saying that was cool and moving on. I think that there are landmarks in our life. And those landmarks are defined by what God says to us and what he calls us to and how he calls us to respond. And we always have the option of just letting it sit or pushing forward with it. I think the good things that God puts in your heart, the seeds that he plants, they're going to go through different stages. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Jesus said the first stage is just entering your heart. The second stage is taking root. Because if it doesn't take root, the minute things get hard, you give up. The third stage is that you would keep your heart not so busy free of those thorns, the busyness, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things that tend to choke out the word. What does that mean? That means I can receive the word of God in a good and pure heart, and it goes in. I can let it take root so that I don't just say, that was a good message, praise the Lord, leave and forget about it. It takes root in my heart. I continue to meditate on it, to pray through it. But there's another stage, which is not becoming so busy and crowded that you don't give that seed room to grow. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that everything that God speaks to us, Jesus said, is a seed, right? And seeds don't say, stay the same size. They're supposed to get bigger. So what does it look like when the word of God gets bigger in you? Like, maybe God said something to you very small, but it was significant. Small but significant is the definition of a seed, Right? So maybe it, it hit you in a certain way. You knew God was speaking to you. You felt, um, you felt an urge to respond to it in some way. That's the first step. That's not every step. That's the first step. The next thing you got to do is to continue to think about it, to pray about it, to meditate on it. What does meditate mean? Meditate doesn't mean, mm, you know, that's not meditate. That's Eastern religion. But, but there's a biblical meditate. It's in the Bible. Over and over again. And the Hebrew word for meditate meant to, to chew it over, to, to, to mutter to yourself, like a cow chewing its cud, to continue to let this be in your mouth, to go through it, to say it over again, to think about it, to, to, to keep it in your heart and in your mouth and in your mind. When you do this, it begins to grow. But it also says keep your heart not so busy, not so crowded. Make room for it to grow, right? Like if you're planting a tree, you've got to make sure there's room for it to grow. You don't plant a tree right next to the garage. Because if you do, something's going to give, right? Either the tree doesn't grow or it wrecks your garage. One or the other, something's going to be broken. Something's going to be less than it should be. So you make sure it has room to grow. Because the word that you receive may seem small now, but it's supposed to get bigger in you. 
So I do my best, and I hope that we all do this, not to rush so quickly through everything that we say that was a good message or that was a good word from God, let's move on. There are some things we need to make sure that we're not moving on so quickly that we treat it like everything else. I think God wants us, when he speaks, we should pay attention. We should stick with it until it grows in us. Now, God gives the growth. We can't make something grow. We can't rush it. But we certainly can prepare our hearts. We sure can nurture something. So with that in mind, I want to recap a few things that I believe the Lord was speaking to us last week. And then we'll add some new layers and, and dimensions to it. Last week, for those of you that weren't there, um, it was a bit of a different service. It certainly wasn't a teaching service. Uh, it, was, it was different, and, and that's a good thing. And I think we needed that. I think we needed that refreshing, and I believe that God's going to do that more and more, where we just get those ref- times of refreshing and times of breaking through. Um, and what we really talked about, what I believe the Lord was saying to us as a church, as a group of people, was that coming up in, in this upcoming year, maybe the years beyond, there are some things that God wants to bring us to that, that are going to require us pushing through, uh, breaking through that bubble that's been surrounding, breaking through that ceiling. And if you're like me, what's happened at times is that God's brought you to that same place of increase, that same place of, of pushing forward and upward, and you hit the ceiling and you don't break through, and so it, you kind of bounce back a bit. And maybe a couple years later, you, you, you hit it again. And when you're not breaking through, eventually you get discouraged, right? Maybe God didn't want me to go this far. Maybe God didn't want me to, to, to stretch like this. Maybe God doesn't want me to do that. Because every time I get close to it, I hit my head, it hurts, I back off. But the scripture says we're not of those that shrink back right. to destruction. But there is a temptation to shrink back when you hit and you don't feel like you're busting through. Maybe God called you to something. Maybe God put a dream in your heart. Maybe God planted a seed of a deeper growth in him or a greater witness or or whatever, a different type of ministry. And you've come to the edge of it a few times. And right when you get to the edge and you peer into the darkness because you don't know what's beyond it, you back up a bit. You hit something you couldn't quite bust through and you, you back off. Last week, there were people that that reality for them was a physical reality. There was things they were dealing with their own bodies that they've been dealing with for years and years. It seems to get a little bit better, and then it gets worse. The word of the Lord to us was God wanted to break through. There were people who that was an, a, a mental block. They got so far, and then their, their mind just said, nope, this is as far as I go. This is much as I understand I'm okay with all this other stuff, but I hit, my, I hit my edge here. I'm not going any further. Some of us, it was a, a spiritual thing. You felt that battle. You know, we talked about even in our own city, there have been great moves where there was a move of unity of the churches, and then there was a huge backlash at the same time. And people get discouraged, and they back off, and they just don't want to mess with it. group of my... Uh, of our CFCM Saskatchewan ministers. I wasn't at this meeting, but I talked to one of our, our colleagues and he said, there was a group of, um, CFC, CFCM is the organization we belong to, we're affiliated with. And he said in Saskatchewan there, 
there was a group of these ministers and they brought a guy in from Australia who had planted many churches, um, wonderful guy, had, had really spoke to them about the Father's heart. But he talked about the fact that in every, every place there are, there are territorial, territorial issues that you've got to deal with. There's spirits. There's other things that need to be addressed. And he said, thank God through the name of Jesus, all those things are under our feet. But we need to address them when we walk into a new place. We've got to understand there are spiritual forces at work. You've got to go after these things. I mean, you don't get to become obsessed with darkness by, by no means. But there are things you've got to take authority over and say, no, we're going to stand against this. One of the pastors who should have known better stood up and said, isn't that kind of like poking the hornet's nest with a stick? Well, that's a sad thought, isn't it? So what do you do? You just say, well, yeah, Satan's at work here, but I don't want to bug him too much. He'll come after me. Now, I, I respect this pastor. I'm sure he was just asking a question. I'm sure God's brought him to a different place. You'll never know who he was. But on some level, we've all thought that, hey? Wouldn't it be easier just to kind of go with the flow and not rustle things up too much? But the name of Jesus is above every name. If we stand firm and we know there is not one thing in heaven, hell, or in between that can fight against that name, then you'll stand your ground and you'll stand there until the battle is won. I love Ephesians 6 when it talks about the armor of God and three times it says, you will be able. You will be able to stand. You will be able to resist. You will be able to quench every fiery dart. Says you'll be able to stand firm in the evil day. What's the evil day? That's probably the worst day you've had. That's not even a day. God, I wish it was a 24-hour period. But if you've ever stood in those evil days, you know there are seasons in life that you can, you can describe as the evil day. And you wish it would get easier. And I'll give you a secret. It might get a little easier if you backed off. But that's just temporary. And that's called losing. And the enemy wants you to feel that way. You know, the mafia, you, you know, the, the old mafia stories where they'd go to, a, they'd go to a, a, a little shopkeeper and they'd say, hey, would you like to buy some insurance from us? I don't need any insurance. My store is fine. It would be a shame if someone were to break your window. Nobody's broken my window. Oh, that would, you never know. It's a dangerous neighborhood. Things can change. So the threat was, if you don't buy insurance from us, we'll break your window. They break the window, they come back the next day and say, boy, would have been good if you had bought protection from us, huh? Would be a shame if the store burned down. Okay, I'll give you money. What are you doing? You're paying them off so they don't bug you anymore. But that's still slavery. I believe that the same enemy that's attacking you knows how to let off a little bit so that you'll think you're okay. But that's a scam. That's a ploy. That's just him saying, if I lay off a little bit, they'll think they're okay. And whenever they press in, I'll, I'll start to hit them. Paul talked about being buffeted, being hit over and over again. But thanks be to God who gives us victory. Thank God. You know, Canada is celebrating 150 years here in 2017. Canada really 
took a new place on the world stage through the First and Second World War because they, though they were a small country population-wise, they sure stood up when it was time to stand up. And you could say, well, they did it because they're part of the British Empire. But well, come on, guys, we're way over here. Nobody was threatening to attack Canada. But they went and fought for somebody else. And it would have been way easier to stay out of it. Right? Way easier to stay out of it. We don't have to give our lives. We don't have to give our money. We don't have to give anything. If we stay out of this fight, we can, we can get rich while everybody else gets poor. We can, we can keep our lives while everybody gives up theirs. But they knew if we don't address it now, we'll have to address it later. And that's the truth for us as believers. Those things, you think if you don't address them now, if you just chill out, they won't be an issue. They'll be an issue. It's time to take a stand. It's time to press forward. So I'm going to read you what we read just real quickly. Read you what we read last week in Micah Micah chapter 2 and verse 12. He said, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. In other words, they will be full of people. God likes it when we're together. See, God is not the one separating the flock. He's the one putting the flock in the same place, right? That's why we're so, that's why we're believing for unity. Because God's dream, what the Lord wants, is for his pasture to be noisy with people. To be full of people in one place. He said, I'll gather them together. I'll put them in one place. They'll be noisy with people, noisy with humanity. The breaker goes up before them. They break out. They pass through the gate and they go out by it. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. And we talk about this and this is what's so exciting to me is that term, the breaker goes before them. Those sheep do not have the capability, those people do not have the capability to break through the wall that's in front of them. They don't have the capability to break through the gate that's been put in front of them. But God says, I will cause the breaker to go before them. They will break out, look what it says, they break out and then they pass through the gate and they go out before it. So they break through, and when they break through, they break out. Let's just address something. Some of the things we've hit over and over again, some of the same patterns, some of the same issues, you can't be talked through them. There are some things you do need someone to talk you through. Amen? That's a good thing. Sometimes it's a matter of your your mind. Sometimes you need to talk to somebody about something. But there are other issues, and I know this because I've been in, in, in hundreds of counseling sessions, and there were times where it was a matter of let's talk this, let's see what the Word says, let's do it. But there were other times it, we needed a supernatural breakthrough. I've sat in the office with people, and we had session after session, and we weren't getting anywhere. No traction. They show up on Sunday morning. God draws them to the altar. They're worshiping God in the midst of a time of worship and something clicks and something breaks and something snaps. Couldn't get talked through it. God did that. What was that? That was the breaker. That was the anointing breaking out, breaking something in them, breaking a hold over them, breaking something in front of them. So there are some things you can talk through. This is what uh, uh, David McGrew said to me, and I was thankful for it. When I first got married to Tia and, and, and we were just like learning how to be married, he said, 
He said, John, there are some things that you can talk through, but there's some things you have to pray through. Because I thought I could talk through everything, right? You can't imagine it, can you? But I thought I could talk through anything. If this wonderful woman that God gave me would just listen enough. (laughs) Now you're all amazed I'm still married, right? With an attitude like that. What I learned was, number one, I probably need to listen to her way more. But secondly, we both needed to listen to God. And we need to pray through some things. Some things could not be talked through. Some things just have to be prayed through. Why? Because there are some walls you just can't bust. There are some bubbles and ceilings that you can't break. And every time you've come up to it, you've bounced off of it, and it gets discouraging. Some things you have to pray through. Some things you need the supernatural breaking anointing of Christ to break through. The breaker goes in front of them. They break out. They pass through the gate. They go out by it. So their king goes on before them. And the Lord is at their head. I love that. See, when we're following him, when the Lord is before us, now he said to his people, I'll go before you and my glory will be your rear guard. In order for this to happen, you got to be following him, not him following you, right? When we're listening to the voice of God, we're going where he tells us to go. We're trusting he's going before us. We used the example on sun, last Sunday, which of course, I didn't realize so many people weren't into football, but you get it now. Yeah. That it's like that offensive line, those offensive linemen busting a hole in the opposing team's line, busting a hole, making room so that the running back can run through, the tight end can run through with that ball and get through that hole. Sometimes you got to break a hole open. Think about the Israelites coming to the sea. In front of them is a sea. Behind them is an army. Quick, guys, let's have a strategy session and let's throw some ideas at the wall and see what sticks. We could try to swim. But we'll have to leave our stuff and most of us will probably just drown. Or they'll catch us in time. Or we can go back and say, our Egyptian masters, we're so sorry. We said some things, you said some things. (laughs) Insults were thrown. We took all your stuff. But we're willing to go back peacefully. What other option do they have? Listen, guys, what option do they have? There's a sea in front of them. There's an army behind them. There were zero options. Until the Lord breaks out before them Mm -hmm. until the Lord opens a door in the sea. Mm -hmm. Nobody comes up with that because that wasn't an option on the board, right? (laughs) That's like, that's not an option. You don't say, God, we can either, uh, like our, our vehicle's broken down, so we can either fix the vehicle, we could try to walk back to town, or we could fly. Nobody says we can fly because that's not an option. Neither is walking through the sea. Now, I'm not suggesting any of you pray that you can fly. I'm not saying that at all. But there are times when we reach the end of what we can do, and there's just not not anything else we can do unless God steps in. We need the supernatural, folks. We need God to go before us. So the king goes on before them. The Lord is at their head. We talked in Revelation about how Jesus said, I've got a key, I've got the key, 
and I open doors no man can shut, and I shut doors no man can open. See, behold, I've placed before you an open door that nobody can shut. And I always just saw that as a very passive thing, like the Lord just calmly opened a door and said, go on through. But then I thought about that phrase that he said, no man can shut, which means that there are a bunch of people trying to shut this door, and the Lord is holding it open. And the Lord busted it open when, when all, of, all of darkness wanted to keep it closed. I believe that there's doors in our city that only God can open. And that, <laughs> that there are plenty of people and plenty of spiritual forces out there that would want that door to stay closed and will try to shut it. And as long as we believe Jesus is holding that door open, go on through. We'll go through. I want to read you something that um, happened to the disciples. In the book of Matthew, chapter 17. I want those of you who were here last Sunday and, and God spoke specifically to your heart about something specific, I want you to take that seriously. I don't want you to give up so easy. I don't want you to get, let it go because, well, it didn't happen in the first three weeks. For those of you that weren't, I want you to seek the Lord in this, this season, this year. God, where are you stretching and enlarging me? Where are you, what are you bringing me to that I haven't been to before? Because growth in Christ is consistent. Consistency is growth and growth is consistency. You can't say I'm living a consistent Christian life and not be increasing and enlarging and growing in some area, Right? Like if my son, he's four years old, if he stayed the same height for three more years, we would take him to the doctor. Something is wrong. We can't say, well, he's not getting shorter. It's fine. He's not getting any shorter. Because he should be growing. So as a believer, now you might say, well, thank, I'm done growing. Well, as a believer, you're never done growing. And so the minute you stop expanding, the minute you stop having to buy new clothes, now I know that's a metaphor, <laughs> that's a metaphor, but you get to that place where you don't have to change anything. You're about the same as you were five years ago. That's not a good thing. Now, I'm not talking about you panicking because you live in the same place, live in the same house and have the same job. God may have planted you there. Be where you're supposed to be. But you should be able to look and say, I'm different. I've gone deeper. I've gone higher. I've gone further. I've, I've stretched out in areas. And it wasn't always comfortable, but I did. God stretched me. You should be able to say, I've been to new areas. I've, and I'm not, just ta I'm not talking about physical places, but say, I've, been, I've gone and I've stretched and I've pushed further. My prayer life's different. My worship life's different. My relationships are different. My schedule looks a little different because God is working in those spaces. God is, is expanding. And, and, and the Lord said something to us uh, a year and a half ago about us increasing. And, and I think a lot of times we just see that in a very physical sense. And I believe that was part of it. I believe that's why God gave us the land over there. We are supposed to increase that way. God wants it noisy with people. Thank God. Yeah. But I also think that there's, in order for there to be increase you can see, there's increase that you can't see. In order for a tree to grow up, roots got to go further down. 
God is increasing us in ways that you might not be able to see. And that's important. Most of you weren't here many, many years ago when Rob Sal stood up in front of this church. You remember what I'm talking about, Mom? How many years ago was that? My dad was alive. It was probably 14, 15 years ago. He gave a word and he said, if you'll do this, then the Lord will increase and expand you. But if you say no, you'll stay a nice little church. We could debate about what happened. But I think we had an opportunity, and we stepped into a bit of it, but we could have gone further. But I don't get discouraged by that, because God continually has been saying the same thing. Thank God for that. God has been saying the same thing. I have no desire. It's really not in my DNA to care whether or not we're bigger than some other church or whether or not people want to come here. That, I, I don't care about that so much. But I do care about the city that Jesus died to save. So I have no interest in getting all the people at this church to care and say, we're switching to, our, to the word church. I'd rather that not happen unless God moves them. What I do want to happen is that all these people around here that God brought into our neighborhood and all these people in the city that are dying and looking for a savior would be saved and they'd find a family. And I do believe that God wants to fill this place and every other church that preaches the name of Jesus so that we just can't contain it. Thank God not everything God wants to do happens on a Sunday morning. But we can believe that. I want to show you something that happened in Matthew chapter 17 because I, I, I just want to bring out, and this is, just, this is the crux of what we're going to talk about today, is what happens when God tells you to walk through a door, you know you're supposed to go, you know you're supposed to go into this area, you know you're supposed to increase here, but I'm my own problem. Have you ever been your own problem? God called the Israelites into the promised land and he wanted them to go into the promised land, but they were their own problem, weren't they? They got to the edge of the promised land. They looked in, they tasted the fruit, and then they backed off. And it took them 40 years to get back to the same place. Anybody ever felt like that? Maybe it didn't take you 40 years. Maybe it's been two years, but you know exactly what that's like. You got to the edge of the promised land and you got freaked out because it was going to be a little harder for a bit. It was going to take more. It was going to take more faith. It was going to take more trust. It was going to take you taking a risk. You got to the edge. You peered over, and you said, nah, we'll, we'll take another loop. Another time around the mountain. And it takes you a few years to get back to that place again. Now, God didn't change his covenant. He still brought them in. But I thank God that when we get to the edge of what God's called us to, we don't shrink back, but we press in. Matthew chapter 17, there are two totally different scenes going on. One of the scenes is Jesus and three of his disciples on top of a mountain. And the disciples see Jesus transfigured, the Bible says. So changed. They see him in a different way. They see him in the light of who he is as the son of God. They see Moses and they see Elijah. 
They have such a, a, an amazing time that they just want to camp out on the mountain, build some tabernacles, and stay there. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the mountain is chaos. At the bottom of the mountain, the disciples are trying to cast, I mean, they are successfully casting out evil spirits, healing the sick, but there's one that they just can't deal with. Jesus comes down from this great spiritual mountaintop experience to the chaos, discouragement, and frustration of the people in the ordinary world. Have you been there? I've been there. I've been the chaos before. I've been the, I've been the problem. You know, we always assume that we come out of this great spiritual experience and everything's going to be great and spiritual. The truth is you come out of this great spiritual experience and you still have to change diapers and you still have to deal with people that weren't there when you were there and that you have to deal with issues that you thought were over with. But the great spiritual experiences aren't there to eliminate the problems. They're not there to eliminate the, the, the battle. They are there to prepare you for it so that when you come down the mountain, you can deal with what's in front of you. So we, thank God, I hope that this morning is a spiritual experience for some of you. I, I hope that God speaks something to you that truly transforms you. When you come down off of it, you're going to have to deal with life. You're going to have to deal with the stuff that's happening. And thank God, if you walk into it by faith, you'll know that what God said to me here prepared me for this. I'm ready for this now. So Jesus comes down the mountain, Matthew 17. And verse 14 says, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and he's very ill. Now, lunatic is a word that's been abused. It, 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 the Greek word for this and the English word that we use are very similar. You can hear in our English word, lunatic, right? What word does that sound like? Luna, like the moon, right? Well, the Greek word for that was a word that meant moonstruck. They believed that it had something to do. This guy's insane. Must be something with the moon. They're moonstruck. Well, that's just the way they termed it back then. That wasn't actually what was happening. It's what they thought. All this guy knows is that my kid has some severe issues, and I know it's not just a mental issue. I know there's a spirit behind it. Now, not every mental issue is a spirit. But thank God, every issue has a savior as a redeemer, as a healer. Amen? This guy, it was a spirit. It was an evil spirit. He's very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often in the water. Now, that sounds like somebody who's epileptic, and, and you might say, well, why would you think that was a spirit? I think one of the evidences that this was an evil spirit was that it, it conveniently always seemed to happen and tried to throw him into fire and water, tried to kill this kid over and over again. Or bring him to a place of near death. Like it wasn't just, he'd just have seizures in, in different places. It seemed like he had seizures in the worst possible places at the worst possible time. He was being tormented by an evil spirit. Not everybody who's dealing with epilepsy has an evil spirit. Right? You know, there's physical causes for this. But this kid had an evil spirit. Throwing him into the fire. Throwing him into the water. There was a, a tormenting spirit. And in verse 16, so this, this dad says, please help my kid. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now listen, these disciples had done this many times before. Jesus equipped them. There's a reason this guy brought him to the disciples. 
He wasn't the first guy to bring somebody to the disciples. The disciples had successfully cast out evil spirits, successfully healed the sick in the name of Jesus. So he brought them to the disciples because they had a good track record. But what happens is, in verse 17, Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Now, come on, guys. Anybody in the room okay with that? Is anybody in the room okay with you were trying to pray for somebody? You were trying to help somebody? It wasn't working. And when Jesus comes, you expect him to say, Good work, buddy. I'll take over from here. But instead, Jesus comes and says, you unbelieving and perverted generation. How long do I have to put up with you? What? I was just trying to help. It's not my fault. I guarantee if I said that to anybody, you'd say, you still go to the word church, right? <laughs> now listen, it's important. You know, the reason a lot of Christians shy away from this verse is because they're afraid that we'll start to believe that every time something doesn't happen, we think it's a lack of faith. That's not every time, but that was this time, right? Every time your car stops working doesn't mean every time it's out of gas. But if it's out of gas, it'll stop working, right? Can we just, does that make sense to you? So you don't just say every time your car breaks down, well, the last time my car broke down, I was out of gas, so I must be out of gas. Sometimes it might be a different thing. Sometimes you pray for somebody, you do everything right, your faith is there, God is there, everything is right, but something didn't happen right away, and it's not anybody's fault. However, if you don't put gas in the tank, the car will not start. Without faith, this isn't going to happen, right? So we have to be okay. The Christians in 2017 shy away from this because what they're afraid is, is that somebody will come and say, I've been believing for years, it hasn't happened, and I'll come and I'll look at them and say, you don't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you'd be better. And we send them away sad. But that's just not true. But are we okay being large enough? Can we just enlarge our own hearts to say that sometimes the issue is our faith? Can I just say that? Now, that's not all the time, and, and I'm certainly not the judge of whether that's your situation or not. <laughs> I can already notice people tensing up, like, <laughs> nobody's judging you. That may not be your issue, but according to the gospel that I keep reading, it sometimes is the issue, right? So you got to get this issue worked out. You have to be okay with God at some point in your life. If God's never said to you, the problem is you, maybe you haven't spent enough time with him. Because I've had plenty of times where God said, you're the problem here. You're a good, good father. Why do you say things like that to me? <laughs> you're supposed to say, the devil is the problem. And he's a bad guy, and you're a good kid, and all will be well. Sometimes that's what he says, but sometimes I'm the problem. If you're not okay with that, you're not going to grow. Can we be okay with that? Can we embrace Jesus' theology without worrying about every single time we're going to hurt somebody's feelings? Listen, I'm not going to go around deciding. It's not my job to go around deciding whether or not someone had enough faith. That's not up to me. But I have to consider that maybe sometimes that's my problem. 
So my faith was in the wrong place. My faith wasn't in God. My faith wasn't strong. I've heard other people say this. Well, it's not about having great faith or small faith. It's just whether or not you do have faith. That's not what Jesus said. You don't have to argue with me. Just argue with Jesus. Take it up with him. Because what does he say here? Jesus rebuked him. The demon came out of him. The boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? He said, because of the littleness of your faith. Oops. He didn't say because you didn't have faith. He, he, he said the faith was small. You had it. It was just too small. You just wasn't strengthened. He said, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But that's a tough verse, because he just said your faith was small, and then he goes and says, imagine one of the smallest things you can think of, a mustard seed. If your faith was as big as that, you would have been able to do this. Like, that's an insult. That's like Jesus saying, because <laughs> your, your faith was too small, but if you had a microscopic bit of faith, you could have done this. So Jesus is saying, my faith is sub-microscopic. This is insulting to me. But he says this, but this kind does not go out except by a prayer and fasting. Some of you have that verse in brackets because some manuscripts do not have that. But if you want to back that up, whether or not Jesus said that, it says it very clearly in Mark's uh, uh, retelling of this event. So go to, if you go to the book of Mark, you'll see it the same thing. He says, some of this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. I'm getting somewhere with this. So ask yourself the question, is the problem my faith or is it the problem that I didn't pray and fast? That's the same question. Had you prayed and fasted, your faith would have been strong enough. Jesus, you didn't pray and fast. Did Jesus go and say, ooh, you got that kind of spirit. I'll be back in two days. <laughs> right? No, did he didn't. Why? He just came down from the mountain. He was just there. He was in prayer and fasting mode. He was fine. So sometimes we think, if I were ever to encounter this, I'd have to go away and pray and fast. What, he's, what I believe Jesus is indicating is had you been praying and fasting, you would have been able to address this right away. Now, here's why I say this. This is why I say this. Because I've gotten to the place at times where I've reached the level and I got as far as I could go. I got as far as I could, was comfortable with. I got as far as I could push. And I hit that wall. I hit that bubble. I hit that ceiling. And I thought, why can't I break through? And I back off for a bit. And then I try it again in a year. I try it again in a few months. I hit the same barrier. There are some barriers you got to take some time and pray and fast you got to believe that maybe the issue is not that God doesn't want it to happen. Maybe the issue is this is going to require me stepping to a different level. Now listen, fasting is not you paying a due to God. Like God says, okay, put, give me three days of not eating and I'll give you this. But when I fast, I realign myself. When I'm in prayer and fasting, I get back to a place where my spirit is, in, is, is coming to a different level, where I'm saying my focus is on Jesus. He can speak. I'm being, I'm being changed and, and ready for what's in front of me. There are times where, it's, where you're fighting a spiritual battle, but there's times where it's preparing you for something. You ever notice that, that when you're in an airplane and the higher you go, they have to pressurize the cabin as you go higher? 
It's not for the plane's benefit that they do that. It's for yours. Because as we go higher, you have to be prepared for a different altitude. You have to, something has to happen to you. Your body has to be ready. You have to be prepared. It, you go, same thing when you go deep. You go scuba diving. You can't just go from the surface to the deepest part and survive it. Neither can you go really, really deep and then come up right away. People die because they went really, really deep and they come up too fast, right? Because your body's not used to the levels you're at. So there's some fights you got to fight. There's some battles you got to battle. And the only way you're going to break through is if you say, I'm not quitting, but I am going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to have some sustained pressure here. And I'm going to believe God that the breaker's going before me. I'm going to believe God that God is going to cause me to break through because I can't do this myself. And I can't do this at the level I'm at. I'm going to have to go deeper. I'm going to have to press in further. Do you believe that? I realize we're kind of, I'm, I'm not talking to you like baby Christians today. Maybe you are a baby Christian. That's good. Nothing wrong with being a baby as long as you don't stay a baby. I want you to hear this because I believe that some of you are stepping into areas you've never been before. And maybe, just maybe, it was our own unbelief, our own shortness of spirit, our own lack of faith in certain areas that brought us to the edge and we just couldn't push through. But had we said, I believe it's God's will that I press through and stayed in that place and kept pressing and, and spent some time in prayer and fasting, God would have prepared you. Now you've got to hear from God to where the, whether that's the issue or not. You know, I believe seriously, I believe some battles just take a long time to fight. Don't go away discouraged because it didn't happen right away. Don't, don't always look at the heavens and say, what did I do wrong? There's plenty of times you're doing the right thing. You just got to do it for longer, right? You know, Paul left Miletus sick at Trophimus. The Trophimus sick at Miletus, my goodness. <laughs> when neither one of these things sound like a first name, we, we tend to get confused. <laughs> he left his buddy Trophimus sick. And that's a tough verse because you go, Paul, you healed so many people. What was wrong with this kid? Why couldn't he get healed? Well, maybe it just took him longer. Maybe it was a bigger battle. He had to keep fighting. Maybe not every time you walk away still fighting, it's not always a failure. It just means stay fighting. Don't give up. Yeah. Amen? When Brother Gary Mason was here a couple years back, he brought up a good point, and I think it bears repeating. What would have happened if Jesus hadn't come down the mountain and they couldn't cast that demon out? What would they have done? I think it's safe to say they would have developed a theology that backed up, there's a reason this guy didn't get healed, and it's not my fault. God didn't want him to be free. It wasn't God's will. It didn't happen. Come on, guys, you know that's the truth. Why? Because we do that all the time. But Jesus was the one that told him it was his will that demons would be cast out. Sometimes you know the will of God and it doesn't seem to be working. You go, God, this doesn't match up. And I think the answer sometimes is you just need to press in. Nina, maybe take some time and pray and fast. Listen, if you're, I'm going to speak to you couples right now. 
that have believed God, you've talked together about a certain thing that God was bringing you to, and you get to that point, you always get like 10 feet away from it, and then you step back. Don't allow yourself to be comfortable with never pressing forward again. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, and say, this time, we're going to press. And maybe it's going to take you taking a few days as a couple. The single people, same thing goes for you. Take a few days and take some time with the Lord and say, we're going to break through. God's anointing is breaking out before us because we can't get through this without a miracle. Don't give up so quickly. Be okay with God saying the issue is you, but you don't have to be the issue. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, says to the church, I came to a certain place, and I attempted to go here, he said, for a door was open for me in the Lord. But I could find no rest in my spirit because I couldn't find my brother Titus. So I left and I went on. God opened a door for him. When God opens a door, that's a good thing, right? He said, there was an open door for me, but when I got up to it, I didn't have any rest in my spirit because my brother Titus wasn't here. What was the big deal with Titus? Titus was the one who was supposed to tell him how the Corinthian church was doing. He was worried about that church. And because he got to this place where God opened a door, but he couldn't find no rest in his spirit, he left. Some of us, that's the case. God brings us to that place. There's a place we're supposed to go through. We're supposed to walk through the door and we get right up to it, but we don't. We can't find that rest in our spirit. We're troubled by something. We're distracted by something, so we just leave. And we need to say there are times where the only thing we can do is say, God, I'm not moving until I'm going to walk through. And maybe that's your family that's been that <laughs> cause of no rest in your spirit. Maybe it's been your job that's been the cause for no rest in your spirit. So you get it right up to the point and something happens and something happens over here. I remember there was a season of our life where mom and dad, God had prophesied to them, he prophesied to this whole church, you're going to send them out as arrows. You're going to send them out. Part of your role as a congregation is to send those two people out and they're going to go hit some targets and they're going to come back and we'll all rejoice together. But there was a season of time where every time they went out, every time they left the city, something happened in the church. So you start getting afraid to leave. Well, what is that? That's just the enemy. Stirring things up, say, I dare you to leave. Watch what I'll do if you do. So what did, what did they start doing? They started praying. Say, no, you're not going to cause trouble when we leave. We're going to take authority right now. We're going to bind every spirit that attacks. We're going to say, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment, we condemn in Jesus' name. We're not going to be intimidated by this anymore. I remember in Spain, wasn't that long after the Iraq War, the Spanish had a government that was committed to fighting terrorism. And then a few days before the election, some of you remember this, a few days before the election, I think it was a train that was bombed. Mm -hmm. 
because the terrorists were afraid that if the, the Spanish people re-elected this government, this, this government would continue to fight terrorism. The train was bombed and the poles switched. And people switched to the other side because they were afraid if we vote the way we were going to vote, we'll keep getting attacked. Isn't that a sad thing? So the government changed. And I think that happens to us way too often. Know this, when the Lord goes before you, his glory is your rear guard. When the Lord goes before you, he'll break out things in front of you. But sometimes, guys, what I, all I want to say this morning, and this is the whole reason we went through all of that, and I hope you stuck with me, but what I want to say is this. If you were inspired and you were fired up by, by that scripture that, that God's going to break those things before you, but the next time you get up to that place and you don't feel it break right away, don't go back and say, God, did I miss it? Instead, Say, I'm not leaving this place until I break through. Take some time, pray, and fast. Join hands with some brothers and sisters. Bring some people in on the issue. Don't fight the battle by yourself. Bring some people in. Say, we're fighting this together. We're going to bust through this because the Lord's at our head. We're not giving up so easily this time. Sometimes it's an instant thing. I knew it. Uh, Last Sunday, there were people that instantly broke through the moment somebody laid their hands on them. The moment an oil was on their head, they instantly broke through. I know that. But there are some that it was a commitment by faith and they're still going to have to fight that battle. And I believe you're going to win. Thank you, Jesus. This was a little bit heavier for a message for us on a Sunday morning. But I think it's important that we hear it. I think it's important that we hear it. I think there are some, some of you right now that are being expanded, enlarged, and pushed out of the nest. Pushed out of the nest. And the last time you were pushed out of the nest, you fell on the ground. You got put back in the nest. You're like, Mommy, please don't push me out of the nest again. And God's pushing you out of the nest. So this time you'll get your wings out. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus.